Can, can you imagine sitting down with your manager and the manager says, right, I'd like to give you some negative feedback. Yeah. Uh, it, it, you're probably going to be sitting there thinking, right, this is going to get bumpy. Power to Live More with Joe Dodds. Welcome to the Power to Live More podcast, all about productivity, organisation, well-being, energy and resilience. I'm Jo Dodds and I started this show to enable interesting people to share their stories about how they use their power to live more and by that I mean to do the stuff that they want to do more than the stuff that they need to or should do. It's about creating a life for yourself where you have the energy, health and space to be happy and fulfilled, spending your time as you'd like, whether that be at work, home or somewhere else entirely. That's your choice. Hello. My name is Ellie Dodds and I'm co-presenter and today Joe's interviewing Mark Huggins of Corporate Drama. In Joe's other business she works with the Engage for Success movement all around employee engagement. Mark and Joe met through the movement after he presented at their conference in 2015 and was interviewed for their radio podcast. Mark is the owner and managing director of Corporate Drama, a dramatically different training company. His team helps business people to learn their behaviours and relationship skills to create the very best places to work. Mark's team are all professionally trained actors, which means that they have a unique perspective and pragmatic approach to their participants' learning by doing. Mark, at the age of 21, was the youngest store manager appointed by Argos, managing a team of 40. His career has spanned sales and marketing, as well as six years acting in the likes of Les Miserables, playing the lead role of Jean Valjean, and as one of the Noel Edmonds gotcha team on BBC One, Mark established corporate drama in 1999 and manages the design and delivery of their experimental development programmes and leading their team of 50. Back to the studio. Today I'm interviewing Mark Huggins of Corporate Drama. Hi Mark, great to have you with me. Hi Joe. nice to be here. Lovely. So start by telling us a bit about you, what you do, and crucially, where you do it. Okay. Uh, well, I'm managing director and owner of a business called Corporate Drama, and we're a dramatically different training company. So we are an organization who help people learn the behaviors and relationship skills to create the best places in which to work. And we do this very much by experiential learning or learning by doing, as it's often referred to. Lovely. And where do you do it? Do you work from home? Do you have an office? You sound like you have a number of people involved. How does that all uh, fit together? Okay, yes. Yeah. So the um, the office is uh, is based primarily uh, here at my home, um, but I, we also have offices in London. And we actually have a team of, uh, of 50 associates business role players, so these are the actors that help with the experiential process. And we also have a team of associate coaches and trainers, there's about 20 of those. Um, so yeah, but um, most days when I'm not delivering uh, training, um, I'm actually here in the office um, managing the client relationships and also designing programs. Lovely. And do you have a separate office or do you have different places where you do different types of work? Oh, right, yes. Uh, yeah. So, um, well, we, we tend to deliver either in client offices or we deliver at um, uh, purpose-built training centres or, or sometimes hotel function rooms. To give you an idea of some of the places that we've worked, we do a, we do a lot of work here in the UK, but last week I was in, uh, in Vienna running two leadership programmes. We do work in, uh, in Germany and Italy. Um, programmes have taken me to to India, to Australia, New Zealand, uh, the USA, um, South Africa. So, um, so yeah, we do we we do get to travel quite a bit, which is um, which is an added bonus. Lovely. So, tell me a bit about your sort of routine when you're at home, which I guess then varies when you're away. So, how how does that vary as well? So, let's sort of first think about how how your day kicks off generally um, when mm. it's not unusual. <laughs> <laughs> so, so an average day for me, if I'm working uh, in, in in one of our two offices, would be uh, I like to start nice and early. So typically, I'm 
I'm generally out of bed somewhere between sort of 6.30 and 7 o'clock. And uh, last year, about a year, 18 months ago, I read a book which really transformed how I approach my day. Um, and before I read the book, uh, I realized that um, with all the best intentions in the world, I would start my day um, normally by looking at emails and then of course you would uh, sometimes maybe look at Facebook or you might go onto LinkedIn um, and then eventually at some point when you realize you could no longer be distracted by those social media platforms you had to knuckle down and and do some work um, <laughs> and it was it was effective you know I, you know the, the wheels didn't fall off the wagon I got things done but the, this book that I read really transformed my approach to how I work and um, and how I now set uh, time aside every single day to focus on some some key tasks. Love. Um, so uh, what is the book? Go on, tell tell us. <laughs> yes, well, the book, yeah, the book, the book is the book is generally, I think, aimed at um, uh, business owners or entrepreneurs, but but or and should I say, it's also really good because I think the habits that are in it would apply to anybody in business, no matter what your, your status or role. Um, and the, anyway, the book is called Build Your Business in 90 Minutes a Day, and it's uh, written by a, a chap called Nigel Botterill and another chap called Martin Gladish. You can find it on, on Amazon, um, and uh, you can get Kindle downloads, etc. for it. The, 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 the central... Uh, uh, message of the book is that if you set a a period of time, Nigel recommends ninety minutes, but you could actually have any any set period of time. First thing in the morning, um, uh, I find first thing in the morning works better for me. But I suppose you could have it at any point of the day. But you set those those that period of time. In my case, ninety minutes, and you absolutely minimise every single distraction that you can possibly have in, to enable you to focus. Uh, for those 90 minutes and when I read this, I mean it's such basic common sense, but when, when I read it uh, and then decided to implement it, the the change was really transformational because it was more, uh, I would say, about the quality and quantity of work I was able to generate in those 90 minutes and, and I still do, in fact this morning I, I did my 90 minutes this morning. Um, and, um, and and that's one of the reasons why I like to start earlier in the day is I, I, I inevitably try and get my 90 minutes in before 9 o'clock so, um, so that by the time 9 o'clock hits uh, my phone goes back on and I open up email and then I'm able to uh, contact and communicate with my team or my customers mm. in what I would regard as being you know, sort of traditional uh, office hours. It's really interesting because when you were saying that you'd read a book and things had changed and it was routine, I was expecting you to say something like The Miracle Morning or there's another book that came out more recently whose name I can't remember, um, but similar sort of idea, which was, you know, about setting a, a routine in the morning to do things that include, I don't know, things like meditation and some of you, perhaps your planning and and a bit of exercise or, or whatever it might be so I was really surprised that you didn't say that and I'm now okay. intrigued as to, to what firstly what's in the 90 minutes and secondly why you think that's made such a massive difference to to what you do yeah okay so um, it, absolutely uh, you could easily factor in anything in the in that 90 minutes I think what what made it um, so transformational for me was just the fact that this idea that um, that Nigel um, repeats in the book on many occasions it's clearly a mantra for him is that if you if you really do minimize distraction and he's really he's really quite brutal about it uh, you know he, he, he says things like um, you know achieving your, your your business goals won't happen if you're busy looking at funny pictures of cats on Facebook, <laughs> and, and I think he's got a really interesting point, which is the fact that it, you know these things are incredibly powerful at distracting us away from the things that we should be doing. Whether that be, in my case, um, a lot of it's to do with how we market the business. So, um, for example, I will spend um, uh, a lot of time first thing in the morning uh, writing blogs, or um, I, I have a an automated email system using Infusionsoft, which I know from listening to previous. Uh, recordings that a number of your your uh, interviewees have 
have um, have said how how big a fan they are of Infusionsoft. So I have I have Infusionsoft set up as a as a marketing tool, and I send out weekly um, chatty emails and top tips and advice emails. So I'll often focus that ninety minutes on writing maybe two or three uh, of those, and possibly even a blog to go on the website. Uh, or I might turn my attention to a particular program that I'm developing. Um, uh, because I've also found as well, by, also by coincidence, that um, I seem to be able to do my best work first thing in the morning in terms of the more creative side of what I do. So I find if I try and leave creative activities towards the end of the day, I really struggle to, to come up with, with, with interesting ideas or concepts. In fact, I can sometimes even really struggle to to write a coherent sentence um, if it's towards the end of the day. Mm -hmm. If I do that at the beginning of the day, I seem to have so much more focus and energy um, and concentration mm. and therefore seem to be able to do, to produce much better work and, and produce it far quicker as well. So it's a, it's, so for me, it's a complete win-win. Um, the only frustrating times are when I'm really busy delivering and sometimes I have to compromise my 90 minutes to maybe you know 15 minutes or, or half an hour um, because I might be you know delivering a, a program that day and I just I just don't have the time between getting yeah. up first thing in the morning and and I can't give myself 90 minutes I just don't have the time in the day no that's uh, the struggle I have when when you, you, your world's different to normal how, how to fit these things in okay so so how do you decide what to do in that those 90 minutes I can see that the the uh, time you know focus time without being interrupted is very mm. valuable but, but by the mm. sound of it, it it also um is most valuable if you get the right tasks done in that time how do you decide what those are and when do you yeah. decide what those are okay so yes a really good really good question so i have in front of me actually on my desk as we speak i'm looking at it right now a large yellow pad um which uh, <laughs> bright yellow pad which has um uh, five columns down it, vertical columns, and each of those columns are a day of the week, and um, uh, on a, normally on a Saturday morning, uh, when I'm just wrapping things up before I start to enjoy my weekend, I allow myself an hour on Saturday morning to sit down and I, and I plan out what I'm going to do on each of my 90 minutes across the week for the following week. So um, that, that's what I do, and in fact, um, I can see the ticks against... Uh, uh, and today being a Friday, I can see the ticks right way across the whole of the week. Um, there's, in fact, there's one or two post-it notes have been added to the, <laughs> the page as the week has gone on. Um, and tomorrow morning, um, I will sit down and spend normally about, only about sort of 20 minutes, half an hour to get the ideas down for each day. Um, and and those are my, that's my, my sort of guiding, um, my guiding sheet for the, for the week. And it, it seems to work really well. Yeah, lovely. Well, we've not heard that one before, so I I'm going to uh, have a think about that and probably read that book. I uh, I have to say that Nigel's probably um, fairly responsible for my being uh, a business owner. I, my first business was his wife's magazine business that uh, he marketed oh. for her. <laughs> That was called Best Of, wasn't it? Uh, no, that was the next one. It, My Mag was the first one. And, uh, My Mag was the first yes. one. Ah, right. So that's yes, so you knew you know who I'm talking about. And you, yeah. know, you probably knew how, um, how passionate he is about, about things such as this. And, and all that passion and, and uh, enthusiasm and motivation is in the book yeah. so um yeah, yeah, yeah. and i should by the way i should add at this point i don't i'm, on, I'm not on commission or anything <laughs> like that for the book. you know it's just, it's just a good book <laughs> <laughs> lovely so i'm intrigued as well to to, to explore once you've done your 90 minutes or, or with the 90 minutes how do you manage getting the rest of the stuff done that you need to do so do you still use paper and pen or do you have other um apps or tools that you use to, to sort of get all the other stuff done that uh, is perhaps not so uh, vital for your 90 minutes yeah I'm, uh, yeah well I'm a great one for post-it notes as I've already alluded to and in fact as I as I actually t this week's not too bad this is quite a quite a uh, quite a clean week but normally um, uh, on my on my Mac here um, on my desk uh, at some point it's, it's almost you know hard to see the screen because there are so many Post-it notes on there, and, and I, find, so I just find the, the tangible nature of post-it notes still, still really good. I, I've tried doing the electronic post-it note uh, thing, and it, for some, it, I don't know why it just doesn't 
seem to work for me so much. I know you can it tell you're a trainer. Nice you must be a trainer with such a love of post-it notes. <laughs> well, yeah, yes, yes, uh, well, yes. And ironically, they rarely feature in my training. But anyway, <laughs> so um, <laughs> maybe, that, maybe, that's a, maybe that's a note for me to take away for, um, for, for the, from this session. Maybe I, but I'm going to resist writing a post-it note here and now to to that effect. Um, um, I uh, I'm a great one as well for I, uh, as I look down on my desk, I've, I've got my my notepad, um, which is a, an A4 notepad, um, and I will um, I will turn to that uh, on things like train journeys. Um, uh, most recently, I've been doing quite a lot of air travel, and uh, rather than sit down and enjoy the movie on the on the flight, I will um, sit there. And I'm also a big mind mapper, so a lot of the pages, if I was to flip through my notebook now, would be mind maps of ideas. Um, that I've uh, I've come up with, and I will start the idea in the pad. And then one of the one of the tools I do use, uh, the app tools I use, is a mind mapping tool called Simple Mind. All right. Um, I don't know what's it. Um, it they do. It's a typical. It's a typical uh, app. It's um, so they do a free version, which is which is very very good. Um, or you can upgrade to the all singing all dancing version. But um, but I I will often then transfer what I've started in, in sort of embryonic form on in the notepad, I will then work that up into a, a full-blown mind map on the Simple Minds. And then, of course, you can print that out if you need to. Um, and, I, and a lot of my project work uh, starts that way. Yes. Um, because yeah. I find that it, it just, it was one of those things, again, that just, you know, I was, I suppose I was slightly cynical of when, it, when I was introduced to it a number of years ago. But actually, as I've as I've as I've tried it and learned to trust it, it I now realise I do my best work when I when I'm able to make that sort of free association through mm. through mind maps. Um, do you that, use, that does um, work very well. Sorry, I shouldn't say. Do you use graphics with that? Because one of the things, interestingly, a bit of uh, name dropping here is that I've I've met um, Tony Buzan a couple of times and um, heard a story. Um, from him about how he developed the mind mapping process. He actually used to just use words originally and didn't mm -hmm. really think about the imagery. And uh, his best friend is actually an artist and she uh, really talked to him many years ago, right at the beginning about how important visual um, mapping is and, and, and the images. And she really convinced him to, to give it a try. And that's where the the images came from and um, it's interesting thinking about putting mind mapping onto uh, computers how it's harder if you're using you know a keyboard rather than you know a, a tablet mm. or whatever to, to actually use some of the sort of images and I just the, somebody I interviewed uh, this week for the podcast Penny Pullen is uh, very much a visual uh, sort of thinker and she she teaches people how to draw for visual thinking um, and it, and she uses a tablet to do it but you know I use uh, I can't remember which tool I use for the online mind mapping. Um, and it is, for me, I just use words. I don't use pictures. And I wonder whether you're just doing that too or, or whether the graphics are easy. Yeah, I, yeah I, I, tend, I tend to do it the other way around. So I'll start with the words. And then, so for example, with, um, with, with, with training programs or with blogs, I'm always intrigued to find stimulating images which uh, enhance words um, because of course you know people learn in different ways just as in fact just as you were explaining there you know sometimes uh, you'll, you'll meet people who have more of a resonance for text and other people have more of a resonance for images so I try and balance uh, what we do in terms of how we present our training um, sessions as a mixture of image and also um, text but for me it, when I'm when I'm working conceptually on a blog or, or let's say for example on a program uh, I, I tend to start with text first it just that just it seems to be a, a preference for me mm -hmm. it's funny I've never really got my head around mind maps I do use them but I don't um, find them as helpful as as a lot of people do and, and as the sort of um, PR of them um, says I should mm. <laughs> I like lists weirdly <laughs> but I remember yeah, well, visually which is weird yes <laughs> well I yeah, I, I got into them originally because um, when when um, when you work as a as a as a business actor, so when you're working in a role play environment, you're often given quite complex briefs that you have to 
assimilate all the information on. And these, these briefs can go over four, five, six pages. Sometimes if it's, let's say, for example, a, a performance review uh, role play, you might have uh, five or six objectives which are going to come up for discussion throughout the performance review. Mm. And you need to be able to get your head and, and, be, and, and be authentic as the character. You need to be able to remember quite a lot of information in order to, to um, share it at the appropriate moment in the role play. And um, it, it wouldn't really be appropriate to start rustling through your brief at various intervals saying, well, hang on just a second. Um, can I, I'll be with you in a second. Because the character, the character would know how they had performed against yeah. the objectives. So clearly that wouldn't work. So um, on some of the more complex programs that we've worked on in the past, I, I was introduced to mind mapping probably, I, I'm thinking probably maybe about 12 years ago, and suddenly found that it transformed my ability to be able to assimilate a lot of information, but also to have the, the security of having just one sheet in front of me with the various different um, uh, uh, mapping areas on it, particularly when I used color as well mm. um, to differentiate. And I suddenly found that I could then reconnect with, with the brief that I'd read maybe five or six times. I, could, I would just mind map just a, just a very, very, very key details, almost, like, almost sort of bullet-pointed details. And that meant that I was, I was able to just uh, respond authentically and and once I learned to trust it there when I started to when the business started to grow and I took on more responsibility for actually designing and delivering programs I, I continue to use it to this day for for um, for more creative uh, areas but um, mm. yeah I, I would just say to anybody who's listening who's never tried it I, I really would highly recommend it. it it can it can really transform you how you approach um, certain pieces of project work um, mm. and give you great clarity uh, very very quickly doesn't yeah. take a lot of time um, so yeah yeah brilliant so before we move on and think about uh, some other areas are there any other tools or apps that uh, that you'd recommend you talked about um, infusion soft soft and obviously we've uh, talked yes. about mind mapping anything else yeah yeah infusion soft I started with that uh, about a year ago when we decided to really shift our marketing uh, for corporate drama up a gear and um, and I really like it. Uh, it I, I find it um, really dynamic. We're only using a small part of it. Ultimately we'll come on to use other sections of it. So it's a, it's a, it's a platform that can grow with your business as your business grows. So um, that comes highly recommended. Um, the other uh, apps that I use, I use Hootsuite a lot. Yeah. Um, so we broadcast out across um, LinkedIn, Twitter and Facebook. Um, on a regular basis, so I really like Hootsuite, uh, and I tend to do those. That that'll be one of my ninety minutes. We'll be sitting down scheduling Hootsuite for the next sort of three or four weeks, um, uh, so that we've got broadcasts going out um, at appropriate times. Um, and, I, and we actually, you, you mentioned mindfulness uh, earlier on. We um, I practice mindfulness, and we factor mindfulness into a number of our our programs, our leadership programs in particular. And I have a really good mindfulness app on my iPhone which are a series of guided meditations of varying lengths and you can just you know again if you're on a train and you're you know thinking oh I just I just need to just need to do a little bit of meditation you can you can stick your headphones in and hit the button and it comes up with a lovely guided meditation for you know 5 10 15 I think I think some of them are even 30 minutes mm -hmm. in duration um, and what's that so those are some of that's uh, that is called I think it's just called mindfulness and if you go on to the, um, the App Store, it's a blue, it's a blue uh, button on the App Store. Um, I've actually I've switched off my iPhone so we don't get distracted in the. In the, in the <laughs> so I can't actually remember, remember it, but it, it is. It's I think it is just yeah. called Mindfulness. Lovely. Um, Thank you. Uh, but uh, and again, free. It's a, it's a free app, and you can you can subscribe to download more more um, more more um, extensive. Uh, meditations if you want to but um, yeah. but yeah so yeah excellent so that leads us nicely into thinking about um how you how you relax and, and how you keep yourself healthy what sort of things do you do yeah. uh, well I'm very lucky that I live uh, I live in South Buckinghamshire in a little a little village and we're surrounded by open countryside and woods and uh, some beautiful bridleways and walks around here so walking is 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 very high on my priority of uh, of activities. Um, I'm also extremely fortunate that my my good lady wife um, is uh, very very good at um, monitoring our 
our diet and um, and so generally well, no, every day in fact uh, that, that I'm at home we will have um, we normally only have ever have two meals in the day so we'll have a have a brunch and then we have a, an evening meal but the brunch will always contain salad and always contain fruit so um, so yeah I'm, I'm very fortunate that I get some um, I get looked after very well in and then terms you go traveling and it all goes wrong <laughs> Well, yes. Then there's, then, then there's the travelling side of things, which, um, which, yes, um, <laughs> particularly if you're staying. Um, so, for example, last week we were we were in Austria, and um, uh, and my experience of working in Austria, which I've, I've done quite a lot of over the last three or four years, is the Austrians a love their food and b they're extremely generous. So you go to a a hotel, uh, and if you're working in the hotel as we were last week. Um, and they offer a, a you know a buffet style lunch or dinner. Um, trying to restrain yourself is extremely hard. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so yes, that is that is always a challenge. Yeah. So it strikes me with the sort of work that you do that um, managing your energy levels is really key. And I guess you're probably dealing sometimes with um, travel and jet lag and that sort of thing as well. So how do you how do you keep yourself energetic and and uh, and energetic enough to do to do the work that you do? Uh, yeah, uh, well, th that's that's really interesting because yes, quite a lot of our work takes us uh, a long way away. So I've, I've worked um, in, uh, say, in India and uh, Australia, New Zealand, uh, Southeast Asia as well. Um, and uh, in terms of jet lag, my my the, the the thing that I've I've learned over the last few years is um, is really be choosy about your flights, and I mean working out. If you can, when you land in the in the new country, I always try and make it sometime in the afternoon, uh, local time, because then I've only got a few hours before local time. It would be bedtime, yeah. And I find that you can very very quickly get onto successfully get onto local time. Mm. Um, uh, and I, I generally, if I'm working the next day, so if I land afternoon of let's say a Monday, and I'm working delivering a program on the Tuesday. I'm also a big fan of those herbal sleep aids, not the chemical ones, but the herbal ones. Yeah. And I will normally pop just one of those and probably have a chamomile tea or something like that. And I find that really helps me uh, get a good night's sleep. Uh, and I wake up feeling feeling very good the next day. Um, I, I do have to be uh, mindful of how I use my energy because if I'm leading a program and it may be often a two, three, or even sometimes a four-day program, I have to be very careful about um, managing my time so I don't effectively burn out, particularly if there's long-haul travel involved as well. Yeah. Luckily, my um, luckily my training, uh, because of course I, I, what I, we haven't talked about so far, but I trained as a professional actor before I got into the world of, of the corporate world of training and role play. Um, what, what, it was really, really useful. You know, when you're faced with doing... Uh, eight shows a week. Uh, let's say, for example, uh, you know, for example, some of the stuff I've done in the West End shows like Les Miserables. You're doing that. That's a three-hour show uh, which involves a lot of singing, and uh, and you're doing eight of those a week, and plus also often rehearsals as well during the week. So that's a lot of energy you're having to to use and yeah. and and make sure that you're applying it appropriately across the week so that you. You, your performance doesn't dip. So I tend to rely on a lot of the, the experiences that that, that taught me, um, and, and that really, you know, it's it, it's the good old stuff that your your mum always tells you about, which is you know make sure you get plenty of sleep, make sure you drink plenty of water, and you eat healthily, um, and you know magically that way you seem to be able to get through the week. If you if you stop doing those things and starting to burn the candle at both ends, well then don't be surprised when. Yeah. By Thursday, you're feeling completely, uh, you're completely shattered. Yes, yeah. Do they teach you some of that stuff when you're at um, theatre school or wherever you go to to learn such things? Because I was, I don't know, I look at some of the the soap actors and and um, hear about some of their schedules and just I'm amazed that they managed to continue for so long with those sorts of regime regimes. Do they? Yeah. Do they build that in when that when you're doing the training, or do you just have to sort of work it out as you go along? I think you have to find what works for you. They, they, they. Um, the drama school that I went to just gives you a, a large menu of options of, of different approaches and different theories and uh, what are considered best practices. And it's really up to you to then 
decide which ones you want to choose and, and what works best for you. I think the other thing is it's just a, I think you almost learn by experience. Um, I certainly did. Uh, you know, I learned that that you know, if I, if, for example, if you know, if I had friends coming to see the the show in the evening, if I stayed out too late that night after the show with you know enjoying their company, um, that I would inevitably pay for that the next day because yeah. I would feel tired. That was the middle of the week. I knew I then had to really make sure I I, I got some discipline in. Uh, if I was going to then survive the week, yeah. um, for soap actors, the soap actors, yeah, they 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 do have a they have a tough time because what I think a lot of people don't realise about shows like EastEnders and Coronation Street and all the other various soaps that are on TV is the shooting schedules are really really tight. So they they often get very little rehearsal. You're expected to arrive on set knowing your lines so that they literally go straight into filming. Yeah. And if the director is reasonably happy with what you've done, then that's it. Thank you. That's in the can. Let's move on to the next scene because because there's such a volume of material they have to record. They they just have to keep going at that yeah. at that pace. So um, I think what's lucky for them though is that often they won't be the central character in a in a storyline that lasts too long. Yeah. And generally, they'll have a flurry of activity for maybe a few days, and then they get. They get some more rest because their character is then seen less frequently in some of the other episodes. So, mm -hmm. so yeah, it's um, yeah. yeah, it's an interesting. Yeah. So an another little um, nice link there. We're talking about learning. What what about your own learning? Obviously, you're uh, in in the learning business. <laughs> How do you mm. make sure your own learning is uh, is happening? What what do you do? Yeah, that's and that's 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 um that was an interesting one to think about when 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 I was I was uh, coming on. Coming on the show to uh, to talk to you, it, um, yeah. I mean, I, I invested a, a great deal once when I was making the transition from being uh, uh, just a I was still still a jobbing actor, so I was still trying to find you know, theatre work and TV work, etc. And I was also I discovered this the skill that I had because I had a, a business background and because I was a professional actor. Of course, I was a perfect fit for the world of experiential learning and role play so I was doing more and more of that type of work and then I made the transition into becoming a facilitator and around that time I did a huge amount of investment uh, into my own personal development and um, because I because I was working as a freelance uh, as well it, it all had to be funded by me as well so um, in the space of I think within the space of about 18 months I had become accredited in a number of psychometric tools I'd um, embarked upon training to become a, a qualified coach um, and, uh, and and to this day um, I find that um, as I deliver programs and I, as I work with different organizations different cultures different people I'm constantly learning about their world and and that that I find fascinating to see how that impacts on my view of the world and um, yeah, it's it's it, particularly when it comes to organisational culture. It's just, it's fascinating to see what what organisations are doing these days to create greater levels of engagement within their workforces, and some of the creative ideas they're coming up with are, are truly inspiring. Yeah, and I, and I guess a lot of what you do sort of um, encourages that because it, it is quite different, isn't it? I, I was I was just trying to remember. I I worked with a an organisation years ago that did did this sort of thing and um it always um as a as a, somebody sort of uh you know buying the services if you like it, it 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 was it was really refreshing to have people who knew what they were doing rather than trying to do it internally with people who were pretending to be people you know doing a sort of role play um you know because we gave them I remember for example doing a, an assessment center when I was a new HR manager years and years ago and I had to go into a coaching situation and they had a, a management trainee as the person I was going to be coaching and it was an impossible mm. scenario because every th time I asked a question he just kept saying um, I don't know that's why I've come to see you I don't know that's why I've come to see you so as much as I was trying to coach him and and counsel him I think it was actually a counseling session um, you know by not giving him ideas and and by not sort of directing him every single answer he gave was I don't know that's why I came to see you <laughs> and I came out of it thinking you know right I failed that one but also I don't think I could have passed it because he wasn't responding naturally like a, a real person would have done he got the yeah, brief that, you know <laughs> yeah and that's that's where I mean we're, we're very very used to coming into organizations and um 
and if we're running the training ourselves, um, we announce you know who we are and why we're there, and uh, we you know at the beginning of the day, or if we're there um, working in partnership with an organisation, so we might be working with their L and D team, uh, and um, and you know the 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 realization on the faces of the participants of that program that there's role play involved and you can physically see people sinking into their seats <laughs> and I'm sure they're thinking you know why on earth did I volunteer or why did my manager volunteer me to come on this program it's going to be nothing short of ritual humiliation and I always tell um, people that's why I became a trainer so that I could get everyone else to do role play and I didn't have to do it anymore yeah, and, and, and it's and, and absolutely, and I can we and we completely understand the the notion of um, of why people then feel uncomfortable. The the great irony, and it and it and it sounds a little cliche, but it's it's genuinely true that one of the greatest buzzes we get is at the end of the programs after they've done the role play exercises, and they come up to us and they say that was that was just. Amazingly um, revealing, you know, your feedback was so useful. I now understand, you know, that when I do this, like this is the impact it has, and and they, they you know, and 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 the, the reason we're able to do that is because because we we don't go there necessarily with a fixed agenda. So I would yeah. I would suggest that maybe that the, the gentleman that you were working opposite <laughs> had a very fixed agenda. Yeah. We 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 learn, and part of our craft is this ability to respond appropriately mm. to the level of, of of influence or challenge or whatever it might be from the participant. So we we can flex up and we can flex down um, mm. uh, in order to um, reward and or test effectively. And and that that is that's a real skill. Um, because what 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 I learned to do, and now what my team do, is they're able to do all that, and they're also monitoring what's going on with the other person and how their character, the character that the role player is playing, is feeling. So that at the end of the session, they're able to give really detailed feedback. Yeah. Um, so I always liken it a little bit to that you know that thing where you're trying to pat your head and and rotate your <laughs> hand around your stomach yeah. area. It's it, it, it's kind of completely counterintuitive. And yet, it really does work brilliantly uh, in terms of raising awareness and building confidence in participants, particularly around skills that involve behaviour. So, yeah. you know, uh, selling, uh, managing, leading, um, influencing all those all those core business skills. Inevitably, they boil down to a behaviour of some sort or another. So, um, mm. so yeah, that's what we're able to do. But we're quite often, we're, you know, we're, we don't feel very welcome often at the beginning of the day, but we certainly feel welcome at the end. <laughs> Lovely. So thinking about um, sort of personal improvement, as, aside from the sort of um, mm. courses and, and, and coaching and, and training that, that you do, what, what sort of other yeah. um, ways do you recommend for people to, to learn or, or, or have you got, um, you know, resources, books, and things that uh, mm. you'd recommend for people to to develop. Yes. Well, of course. I, yeah. Yes. Of course. I would. I would advocate experiential learning because that's the that's the <laughs> business I'm in. Um, <laughs> um, a book that I've read recently, which I've 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 recommended to so many people now, I I, I really should be on commission. Uh, <laughs> sadly, I'm not. Um, is a book. I don't. I don't know whether you've read read this one, Joe. It's called Turn the Ship Around by a gentleman called David L. Marquet. No, uh, sounds intriguing. M-A-R-Q-U-E-T. Yeah, Again, if you pop onto Amazon, you'll find it on there. Um, an absolutely fascinating book. Um, and if you think we have, if, if I've got time to give you a very brief synopsis as to what it's about, then I'm happy to do that. Um, yes, please. I'm imagining from the title, but please do. Okay. So David L. Marquet uh, uh, was a, um, a nuclear submarine captain in the U.S. Navy. And um, uh, by the way, you don't need to be an expert in naval things, naval uh, or things ships, <laughs> in order to get lots of benefit from the book. Um, so uh, David was about to take over a particular class of submarine in uh, Pearl Harbor, um, um, and he, to do that, he has to prepare, or any any uh, captain in the U.S. Navy uh, preparing to take over a, a nuclear submarine has to prepare for about nine months because they have to know literally every nut and bolt and procedure about that vessel before they take it over. Uh, it's doing, um, and unfortunately there's a spanner in the works, and the spanner in the works is about three months before he's about to take over this particular class of submarine, 
But in their infinite wisdom, the US Navy say, ah, oh, no, we don't want you to go for that class of submarine now. We want you to go for this one. And then that one is a completely different class of submarine with different processes, procedures. It's technically different specification. And of course, this means he's got a big problem because there's no way he can cram that knowledge into three months. Um, and so the book is about um, turning the ship around to make it ready to have its final inspection before he takes over command. And what he did to enable that to happen was he turned what he describes as a leader-follower culture uh, on board into a leader-leader culture. And um, it's a fascinating read. Uh, the, the chapters are very concise, probably five or six pages long on average. And then after each chapter, he offers you about five or six bullet points that just prompt your thinking around how you might start to use his approach in your business uh, and, in, and in your, in your um, management or leadership style. Uh, and um, it's it's just fascinating. And 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 if you want, um, if you're if you're at all cynical like me <laughs> about <laughs> these types of books, <laughs> then what I can tell you is that the ship that he took over, uh, and successfully he did manage to turn it around using this technique, um, went on to um, have the highest inspection ratings of any vessel at any point in the U.S. Navy. Uh, that its crew members were, were promoted, more, more crew members were promoted from that ship than any other ship in the history of the US Navy. So, wow. what he managed to achieve was nothing short of revolutionary, or should I, I suppose I should say evolutionary. Yeah. Um, but it's a really great read. Also, his online supporting materials are really good. He's got a, he's got a website with all sorts of bits and pieces. He does a, a monthly blog. Um, yeah, really, I would highly recommend. Uh, his work, um, fascinating. Yeah. So, that reminds yeah, me uh, of a story that I I don't know if I heard it in a TED talk or if I've heard it somewhere else or read it somewhere. So I don't know if it's the same story. It's, it was it's been used or I heard it being used to highlight that um, people always think the military do sort of its command and control, and and it was yeah. that there was a situation where somebody had gone onto a a ship and gave an order and they passed the order on and then it turns out that whatever the order was wasn't applicable on that particular ship and he then sort of queried why they'd continued sending the order down the line yes. when they knew that that wasn't possible and it it was because that's what they were supposed to do and he realized yes. that he needed to um you know give them the opportunity to challenge rather than to just yeah. Yes, follow procedure sort of thing. I wonder if that was the same the same person. It, it is, yes, it is. It is that book, and in oh. fact, it's where they're doing they're doing the drill, and they they decide to shut down the nuclear reactor, which is the main power plant of the vessel. And these vessels have a backup diesel um, engine, which will effectively get them back to port, but very very slowly. And uh, on the previous vessel that he was captain of, uh, this particular diesel uh, engine, I think, had a number of settings speed settings on it whereas the one the vessel that he takes over uh doesn't and he gave the order to he gave gives the order to sort of so uh, say something like you know put it into fourth gear and they and, and the the uh, the officer on deck goes i sir putting it into fourth gear and then <laughs> nothing happens and he says why hasn't anything happened and then they said well because we don't have fourth gear sir <laughs> and he said why did you say you were doing it because you gave me an order and, and he re he begins to realize that yeah. that there are several um, processes uh, that are inherently um, built into the systems of, con of commanding the vessel, which are just completely redundant. Mm. And if he can create the right culture, that actually he can empower his crew to make decisions, not recklessly, but in a, in a, in a way that he actually does get control, but he does it, he, he flips the whole thing on its head. Um, yeah, just a fascinating read, and um, highly, highly, highly recommended. Um, and I've, I've got, I've, I've recommended it to lots of people that I've been working with over the last three or four months. And um, yeah, really good. Trouble with doing these podcasts is I've got uh, even uh, an even longer list of unread books that I'm desperate to read. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> not, not doing any good. I just get get more and more frustrated that I need to read quicker. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, take, take a nice long holiday, Joe, and then you can take all the books with you and just sit by the pool reading the books. Well, and, exactly. Uh, do you know when they do that? What's your perfect Tuesday thing? You know where you're supposed to say, you know, what would you do? And people come up with all these 
you know amazing list of activities and everything else and yes. you know, when you talk about booking holidays I am so easy to please I just need somewhere to sit with a book and that's it <laughs> I you know mm -hmm. quite like some nice food served up to me at yeah. various points during the day and the odd drink but actually I just want to read <laughs> I'm so yeah. easy to please <laughs> <laughs> so what about um uh other forms of uh learning entertainment um inspiration films music any of those that uh spring uh yeah well, yes I, I'm I always, I've always been a, I would say a fan of mood music, and I don't mean by that, you know, the sort of annoying stuff that you get played in in lifts and <laughs> and the stuff that they play too loud in in restaurants. But 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 I, I have very eclectic musical tastes, and um, and so I will. I often I often put music on when I'm doing tasks. Um, I don't put it on in my 90 minutes though. I found that if I do that, I, it, I again it affects the quality. Of what I do, but I, but I, um, yes, I like to listen to music uh, a lot. So, um, but it will, it can be anything from um, anything from sort of the Happy Mondays through to Mozart. I mean, it really is that eclectic, and it, and it will just be dependent upon my my mood. Um, I don't, however, use music on 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 um, on programs that I design because I just think that that again is is distracting. Yes, people um, key into so, their own memories, don't they? Based on pieces of music, quite often, so that can yes. change the yes. atmosphere without intending to, can't it? I think I think it can. I just think that I just think that um, you know, playing music while people are doing reflective exercises, it's just it's more noise in the room that people have got to try and mm. battle through to try and think clearly. So I'm, I'm just a, a fan of good old silence, really, for mm. for the five minutes when they might be reflecting and say, for example, you know, putting thoughts in a workbook or whatever. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, music very important to me, and, I've got, and yeah, and of course coming from. Uh, you know, an arts background, um, yeah. I, you know, I, I still like to get into town to see um, plays as many plays as I can, um, and films. And um, I, uh, you know, I, I'll often um, go and particularly go out and see movies that that connect with the type of work I do. So I was very keen to see recently the Steve Jobs movie, yeah. which I found absolutely fascinating. And um, oh, what was the other movie? Um, um, oh, it's escaped me. The, the movie about the um, about the financial crash with um, Steve Carell and um, um, oh, the big, <laughs> is it called the Big Short? The Big Short, I think it's called. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, about it's about it's about these, the guys who try and um, bet against the, the U.S. housing market. Right. If you haven't seen, it's a it's an amazing film. It's a, a, at times. Funny uh, and at other times absolutely jaw dropping because you begin to realise how um, how inappropriate, should we say, the the whole financial structure was around mortgages in the U.S. Mm. leading up to the two thousand eight two thousand nine crash. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. So so particularly I'm particularly fond of of, of movies that deal with um, uh, business relationships, leadership, that type of thing. I find I find those very um, very inspiring sometimes. Lovely. So, what about if things don't go right then? If you have a bad day, what what happens then? How do you deal with it? <laughs> or, are all your days perfect? <laughs> uh, oh yes, uh, of course. Yes, you know, being someone in the world of training, every day is. Uh, no, well, I think I, again, I'm, it's, it's going to sound a little cliche, but it, it is genuinely true that that you know that when we when we're working with people. Experientially, we we say to them again to try and get away that get away from this this feeling that people are being tested. You know, the role play is there to ensure they've 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 understood and they can implement or whatever it is that we're talking about, the behaviour that we're talking about. But the, the role play isn't there as a test; it's just there as a chance to practice. And sometimes that practice will go really well, and you'll get really good um, motivational feedback. And sometimes it won't go well, and you'll get more developmental feedback. So the one thing that um, I like, can I just the, say I like that, by the way? Developmental yeah. feedback. You mean that's the negative stuff? <laughs> well, ah, yeah. Notice, notice that I didn't say positive and negative, and that—that's—that's that's intentional. Um, because for all the, for all, you know, can, can you imagine sitting down with your manager and the manager says, "Right, I'd like to give you some negative feedback." Yeah. Uh, it, it, you're probably going to be sitting there thinking, "Right, this is going to get this is going to get bumpy." Uh, whereas if your manager says, "I'd like to give you some developmental feedback," well, maybe you might be a little bit. About it. Um, 
So um, yeah, so so I would be uh, so actually the one thing that that working in this in the world of learning and development has taught me is that things don't always go according to plan, and mm. that um, you know that you have good days, you have fantastic days, and you have other days that maybe don't go so well. And and here's the cliche bit: it's actually how you respond to that that's so important. You can either beat yourself up and, uh, and make yourself thoroughly miserable because the day hasn't gone well, or you can sit back, maybe take a few minutes of quiet reflection and just say to yourself, okay, so you know, if I was to do all that lot differently, what would I do differently? Mm. Which is a question we ask people loads of times on training programs yeah. as part of their self-reflection. And actually, if we you know, this is a kind of this is a, almost a case of sort of you know physician heal heal thyself. Um, yeah, you know, uh, I find that reflecting back and just thinking, okay, it didn't go according to plan, but there will be learning that you can take from this, and as long as you apply that, then there's a likelihood that you'll get some benefit from it. Um, the alternative, of course, is just to to beat yourself up and uh, get thoroughly miserable, and um, that's not really worth it uh, at the end of the day and it's something that it's something also going back to what we talked about earlier on it's something that mindfulness has, has taught me as well is that is the power of of letting go of things that bother you and worry you um, uh, before I started practicing mindfulness I would often have if it was a particularly stressful time in my life or there was some, some really important business stuff going on I would find it often very difficult to go to sleep at night I, you know that my day would be churning around in my head as I tried to sleep and of course, the more you try to sleep, the more the thoughts come, and and yeah. it's almost like they're they're teasing you. Um, and 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 once I learned that actually there's some very very simple techniques that you can just, as long as you focus on those, you can just you can let go of it all very very quickly. With in fact, often within now within seconds of just focusing on my my breathing, uh, you suddenly find you're fast asleep, and the next thing yeah. you know, you're waking up the next morning. So. Um, yeah. Yeah. That, that, that would be my top tip for, for bad days, uh, reflection and then thinking of what could have been better and, and a bit of mindfulness to prevent uh, sleepless nights. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So what about the days when um, you've lived more, the days when you've uh, got to the end of the day knowing that you've done the things that you want to do as opposed to what you feel like you should do or you had to do? What, what does that look like? I've already told you mine is probably just reading. <laughs> yeah. What's your day? Yeah. Um, well, so much of our... So much of my my business world revolves around feedback. So um, you know, we 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 deliver a program, and either people give us feedback verbally at the end of the day, or they um, well, old schools used to get you know used to hand out happy sheets. You know, the very you know mark mark the trainer out of you know one is one is lousy, ten is great. You know, all that sort of stuff. Now, of course, it tends to be more things like Survey Monkey. Um, uh, but you know, getting feedback from people is always the the way in which I measure how successful uh, a day has been, particularly when we're delivering training. Uh, or if it's a day in the office, it's it, going back to my my planner, uh, my ninety minutes. You know, what have I been able to achieve uh, in terms of the day? And and I think that um, that when I when I worked as a uh, as a uh, jobbing actor, you bec you learn. You have to be self-reliant because nobody else is going to go out there and do the work for you. You you really do, you know. You rest on your own ability to be able to be, for example, prepared for an audition or just to learn your part or to deliver a, a good performance. Uh, you know, if it's in the West End, eight times a week in the theatre, and and the same applies now today. I'm I'm very self-reliant on the successes of the business and um, and what we collectively have been able to achieve and, and my part in that. So, um, so yeah, so, yeah, it just, it, yeah, um, I will emerge from the office normally around about sort of 6 p.m. Um, with a satisfied grin on my face and, and I'll, I will uh, head downstairs uh, to share my day with my wife and then we'll think about what we're going to do that evening and, um, and then just relax. So, um, yeah, that's how I tend to. That's how I tend to, to do it. And, and, and please don't think I'm some sort of paragon of virtue. I have just as many days <laughs> where things maybe don't go quite so well. You know, it's not. I don't live in this sort of uh, this this isolated bubble where it's just perfect all the time. Far from it. But um, but on the good days, that's what tends to happen. Yeah, lovely. So, how can people find out more about you, what you do, and uh, and connect up with you? 
Oh, okay. Um, yeah, well, I'm uh, the, probably the best thing to do would be to head on to our website, which is uh, www.corporatedrama.co.uk, and there's a whole mass of stuff on there that you can explore from appraisals on assertiveness and communication styles, and there's videos on there you can watch, and there's a whole, there's blogs you can read, there's a whole host of supporting material around what we do and some of the, the, the tips and techniques that we pick up on uh, as we go about doing our, our work. And um, so there's that. Uh, or I'm on LinkedIn as Mark Huggins. Um, you, you'll be able to find me because um, uh, you'll just look up there and it'll be Mark Huggins, Managing Director of Corporate Drama. Uh, please do, if anybody who's listening to this wants, uh, wants any more information, just uh, you know, just ping me a message and I'll be more than happy to uh, to reply on the on the website, of course, you can you can connect with us by email. And again, if anybody has any questions, uh, please don't hesitate to uh, to ping me a message, and I'll be very pleased to reply. Lovely, thank you, Mark. Really appreciated you joining me. I've really enjoyed our, our conversation, and um, uh, look forward to going and checking out some of those resources. Yeah, great. Thanks, Joe. It's been fun. Um, yeah, nice to chat. Joe's jams. I've changed the podcast slightly for 2017 and Joe's Gems will be a bit different. I'll share my own tips, thoughts and ideas after the guest interview, sometimes referring to something that came up in the interview and sometimes using completely different content. This first one is from a live radio show called Money Talk that I co-host with Simon Webster from Facts and Figures. I get a slot in each show and this first one is where we talk about one of my five fundamentals to using your power to live more. This one is about the first fundamental, which is simplify. We talk about why it's important to simplify your business and your life and why you probably want to set goals for yourself, but you may not want to share them. Have a listen. Today, we uh, are going to talk about one of my five fundamentals. So when I work with uh, home-based business owners around improving their productivity, organisation and well-being, uh, I use um, my five fundamentals as a bit of a process. And the first um, of them, they're, they're five S's, and we'll talk about all of them over the coming months. But, Do you want to trail uh, what the five are, or yes. are you going to keep it as a surprise? No, no, I'll trail, trail, I'll trail what yeah. the five are so we know yeah. what you're looking for. So we've got simplify, which we're going to talk about today. And then we have systemize. The third one is uh, share. The fourth one is self-care. And the fifth one is sustain. Oh, well, they sound, they sound, so those are your core five. Yes, absolutely. Right. So we're going to talk about Simplify today, which is... Very uh, appropriate for me in the room. Ah, well, they're, they're, they're sort of steps, although self-care should be part of it all. It's not necessarily step four. Mm. Um, but I do think that Simplify uh, is the thing that should be done first and talked about first, which is why we're starting with that one. Uh, um, so f- for me, one of the key things about being more productive and looking after yourself and being organized and so on is actually being very clear about what you want to do and what you don't want to do. And I do think that we quite often in our businesses and in our lives end up doing loads of stuff, not necessarily all of which we want to do. So sometimes we don't say no to things where we should probably have done. Um, And also we end up doing things because we haven't really thought out what it is we want and where we want to go and what we want to do. So we just end up doing lots of things frenetically. Um, and, you know, that can lead to overwhelm and disorganization and all of that sort of thing. So one of the things that I do when I work with people is to, to help them to think very clearly about what they want and what they want to do and what they don't want to do to mm. sort of streamline their activity. So it's about thinking about what goals you have. Um, so where you want to go with whatever you're doing, um, what vision you have for where you want to sort of be, but also for just how you want things to be now and how you want things to be on the way to achieving those goals. I think when there's goal setting, quite often it's all about the end result and it's all a bit, when I get there, things will be great, whatever this goal might be. And there's, there's less time spent focusing on the journey to that goal. Mm. So it's all about, you know, if it happens. And we all do that, don't we? Yeah. So it's all about if it happens or doesn't in the future, great. And then we forget that leading up to it, we need to sort of enjoy the journey, if you like, and and be doing the things we want to do in order to get to whatever that goal might be. Um, So I think that's that's really important. And the other thing, interestingly, about goals, I've been reading some research recently 
which says that stating goals and sharing them with people actually sometimes can be detrimental to actually achieving them. Now, that's interesting. You'd think it was the opposite. Exactly, because there's been lots about accountability and yeah, sharing, exactly telling that. people, and then you know people helping you to achieve whatever those goals are. But what apparently happens um, sort of from a neuroscience point of view is that by stating the goal out loud to people, you uh, sometimes can sort of build the feeling in your brain that you've actually already achieved it. And a really good example of that is if you say to somebody that you're going to run a marathon. So say you're going to, going to run the London Marathon in April or whenever it is next year. Can we just be clear, dear listener, that Joe is looking at me when she says that, but there is no way I'm going to run 500 yards, never mind 26.3 miles. No, exactly. But if you decided you were going to, right. and you told all your friends and family, what do you think the likely response would be, apart from laughing? Well, if I told them that, well, I think I think that would be the only response in my case, just pure, unadulterated laughter and incredulity. <laughs> but aside from that, if you really did intend to, and you were maybe a runner already and All you right, were yeah. planning to, you know... to So we're really stretching the imagination yeah, here a yeah, lot. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Let's try and Absolutely. stretch that. So you do that. What well, people, people will be going, wow, that's amazing. Well done. Great. You know, yeah, good for you. Good for you. Yeah, All yeah, of that yeah. stuff. And you get all of that. And actually, that is, is some of that payback, isn't it? In, it? You don't actually have had to have run it almost because people... No, you just so have to state the aim. To. Yes. Yeah. So you get all of that without having to do it. And maybe then your motivation to actually do it in the end isn't as strong as it might have been because you've got some of that but does it does, does it go from pull to to flight from because you were pulled towards the I'll, I'll use the word adulation but but, mm -hmm. but but respect or kudos yes, of yeah. saying you're going to run it but then having told people you're running away from the fear of the hilarity of those people when you say well actually I decided I wasn't going to bother after all of that <laughs> and you'd be running away from that so you could turn your motivation from a flight a, a pull towards to a, 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 a push. push. Yeah, so it could work. And that's what all the sort of um, uh, PR on this in the past has always said, that by sharing it, you then feel that you have to do it. Yes. And therefore you do do it. And maybe something like a marathon, whilst I've said it's a good example, maybe it's not such a good example as well because um, of exactly what you just said, that then okay. you have to do it to prove it. Or at least I said um, something sensible then. <laughs> but I don't know, say... Um, uh, you said, I don't know, to your wife that you were going to put some shelves up at the weekend. Right, yes. Did, did they laugh at that as well? No, I, I have been known to. I mean, I haven't actually had to do any of that at our new house since we moved. But I used to do it quite regularly at the old one. Yeah. Do stuff around the place yeah. a lot. Yeah, so say you did that and then the weekend came and went and you didn't. That, that, that often be, happened. Yes, and that could be because sort of merely by stating it, this is what the research is saying, just by stating You'd it. You'd mentally completed mentally it. mentally completed it, exactly. Mm. So it's really interesting that now when I'm talking to people about setting goals, I'm actually suggesting that they don't share the goals. They might share their activity as it goes along, but maybe they don't share that end result um, on the basis that it may stop them sort of Yeah, it would it. be. Uh, uh, all of these things, I suppose, are on a, on a set of scales, and you've just got to have one little extra weight that tips the scales the wrong way, and mm -hmm. things don't happen because mm -hmm. everything's balanced on a knife edge in yeah. life. You. You can cross the road or not cross the road, and that could be the day that you were or weren't knocked down. You just don't, yes. you just don't know. No, exactly. Everything hangs on a knife edge. Exactly. So just, you know, to we sort of bring it to a close, you know, I what I like, I like vision, I like goals. One of the things I really focus on is roles. So for your business and your life, what is your role or what roles do you have? So it might be, in my case, it might be wife, mother, friend, business owner, speaker, trainer, uh, coach. Um, what are those roles and therefore what do I need to do and what do I want to do as I move forwards in each of those roles? Um, so You've got all those roles. It gets very complicated, it doesn't does, it? It does, exactly, which is why you need to simplify. Yeah. Um, and, you know, an, an example for me is, uh, you know, I started this business uh, about 18 months ago, having been originally, as you know, well, not originally, but more recently social media, uh, then getting very involved in employee engagement and then wanting to help people with productivity, organisation and wellbeing with this business and then thinking, well, how am I going to sort of deliver that to people? How am I going to make it all make sense and how am I going to get everything done? Because mm. I've got two, two quite so different many hats. areas. Yeah, exactly. So many hats, exactly, not just two. And so I simplified it by deciding that, you know, the social media employee engagement piece was all going to be in one bucket, if you like, and the um, productivity, organisation, wellbeing in another and that, those are the two things I'm working on. And then I can 
decide what I'm going to do and what I'm not going to do based on those two particular roles, those mm-hmm. two parts of my business, um, and then be very clear about you know what I'm prepared to do and what I'm not prepared to do. Um, and you know the other thing is I'm getting really good at saying no because. I used to take on so much. And there are so two. Much. There are two or three jokes I could run there, but none of them are fit to air. So I'll leave it to you, dear listener, to see what I was thinking. There. Exactly. But you know, I do quite a lot of volunteering, and you know, we had um, one of the places where I'm a trustee recently. The chair um, unfortunately died, and we were looking at getting a new chair elected. And um, and I actually physically sat on my hands <laughs> at the meeting where we we're discussing it because that to me was a bit of a physical sign to myself to not put my hat in the ring it's always the danger when you're involved in these charity things or community things and i'm involved in one or two myself Mm -hmm. you think well i'm actually a competent business person i could actually do that i could organize this i could run that i could make a contribution here i could serve in some capacity Mm because organizing stuff for other people's charities is an act of service it's not an ego trip yeah it shouldn't be yeah um and and you've actually got to learn to say no to that sort of stuff because a you might run the risk, as you've suggested, of taking far too much on. Yeah. And B, you're robbing other people of a chance to have a go themselves and maybe uh-huh. grow in an area they've not actually yeah. had a chance to move in. I like that. I like that as another concept. Yeah. So, so yeah, so it is about sort of being clear and, and you know, does doing saying yes to something, does that align with where you want to be, what you want your mm. life to be like, with the vision that you have, the goals that you set for yourself? And if it doesn't, then you say no. And uh, so that's, you know, part of that whole simplification. So, um, yeah, so just to summarise, I just think um, the first thing is being very clear about what you want in your business, your life, your relationships and so on. And um, deciding on that basis what you're going to do and what you're not going to do. Use your power to live more. All the information in the interview is available on the show notes on the website powertolivemore.com forward slash in this case 25. If you'd like to sign up to get my regular emails with more tips, strategies, ideas and tools to improve your power, you can do that by going to powertolivemore.com forward slash focus, where you can download my free report about how to increase your focus for better productivity. The website is the place to go if you want to find out how I can help you to improve your productivity, organisation, well-being, energy and resilience, your power to live more. And that's to do more of what you want to do. I have a membership site with all the resources recommended on the podcast and in my newsletters, organised by topic, as well as online courses and templates to use for business planning and blogging, so you can take the DIY option to working on your power to live more. And if you go to powertolivemore.com forward slash membership site, you can find out more there. You might also be interested in my Get Stuff Done With Power group accountability system and that focuses you on powering through that to-do list and starting and completing those tasks and projects that up to now may have eluded you. So to find out more about that, go to getstuffdonewithpower.com. Or you may have a more specific need or just want to talk to me about how I can help you. If that's the case, you can book in for a free hour call with me by going to powertolivemore.com forward slash powerchat. Again, the link for this show is powertolivemore.com forward slash 25. And all the links I've just mentioned can be found on the homepage of the website, powertolivemore.com. And we look forward to speaking to you next time.